The reading from the Bible in your, uh, in your chairs, if you look in front, there's a little pocket, and if you take out the, um, the Bible, and it's not too hard to find. The reading's uh, on page, for Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, actually on page 126. Um, I'm sorry, folks, if those of you have got a large font Bible, could someone perhaps call out 284? Thanks, Heather. So uh, if you've got a large font Bible, it's page 284. The small font Bible is reasonably easy to tell because for people like me, it's really hard to read. So it's uh, starting at chapter 6. And uh, in particular, we're going to start at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you are eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Good morning, everyone. My name's Clem, if I haven't met you before. Um, So our second reading is Ephesians, um, which is on page 814 in the Small Bibles, or 1820 in the Big Fat Bible, which I'm reading from. So about halfway through chapter 5 of Ephesians, we're starting at verse 21. So that's on 814 in the Small Bibles, or 1820 in the Big Bible. (coughs) If anything in here is not immediately clear, then I'm sure Steve will clear it up in about two minutes' time. Ephesians 5, starting at at verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, Love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. 
However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. All right, let me pray, and then we'll look at the Bible together. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that even though it was written such a long time ago, it's still incredibly relevant to our world. Father, I pray that you be with me as I speak. Help me to speak truly and clearly. And we pray that you would help us to get a bit of an understanding of how you want us to live in our families. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the whole idea of family has been uh, pretty big this week. Some of you will be aware of um, some of the, uh, the things that have been happening across in, in our culture at the moment. Our Prime Minister uh, recently announced an inquiry into the family law system. There's been a bit of controversy about that. Um, that family law system is a system that kicks in when families break down. Um, and sadly, uh, in our society, uh, the families break down all too often, don't they? Um, it's almost one in two uh, marriages that break down. Uh, the human cost of these breakdowns is immense. Uh, men, women and children go through great hardship. Uh, there are financial implications, emotional and psychological distress that can last for decades. Um, it can be so sad, so hard when families break down. A couple of weeks ago in church, uh, we were looking at the book of 1 Peter. And Peter wrote this. He says, I urge you as strangers in the world to live such good lives among the people of the world that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In other words, he says, I want you to live such good lives in the world that people, although they, want, they like to make up things about what the terrible things that Christians say and do, they'll see your life and they'll just have to give glory to God. One of the ways we saw that we could do that is in our families. Our families can and should be an amazing witness to our world um, and actually can help the people see that the Christian worldview is not just an outdated and medieval kind of way of looking at the world, but can actually have tangible benefits uh, for our society. I'm going to spend a little bit of time today thinking about the family and how living in a Christian family can actually, uh, what, what it should actually look like. Uh, and as I say, it's an appropriate time for us to do that. We're celebrating uh, 50 years of marriage for uh, Bruce and Glennis, but also for a number of other people um, in a service. But also we're celebrating Toby's life um, and that he's being brought up in a family. And so we're going to be thinking a little bit about families. Obviously, the, uh, the primary relationship with the family um, is that between the, marriage, between the husband and wife, the, the, the marriage relationship. Now, three weeks ago in church, we looked in great detail about that. Um, and I'm not going to look, spend too much time about it, except um, I don't know how you felt that when that, that uh, second reading was being read from Ephesians chapter 5. Many people in our society re- hear that, wives submit to your husbands, and they go, my goodness, what? that's proof that the Bible is so outdated. It's ridiculous, women submitting to your husbands. Don't they realise that we're now in the 21st century? However, to, to, it's a misunderstanding of what that passage is actually all about. The passage starts in verse 21 saying, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
What Paul is painting for us there is a very radical, a very different picture of marriage. Our world's picture of marriage is the one that, you, that came across uh, with, with Tom Cruise in that picture, well, I can't remember what it's called now, um, where he's, he speaks to Renee Zellweger and says, you complete me. Remember that movie? What was it called? Jerry Maguire, Jerry Maguire that's right. It's blotted out of my memory for, for good reason. Um, that idea of you complete me. Our world sees marriage and relationships, really, as a way of being completed. That the, the romantic movies all end with uh, finding their, their true love, their true partner who's going to complete them somehow. And sadly, people, people go into marriage with this, with this idea that marriage is about how you make me feel. And so I think so, one of the reasons so many marriages break down is because when you, as soon as you stop making me feel that way, then obviously we've fallen out of love. And so therefore, I'll find someone else who completes me, who, who makes me feel that way. Our world's view of marriage is a very self-centred view that says you know, marriage is about how, how, I, how you make me feel or what you do for me. However, the Bible's picture of marriage is very different. Instead of being about what we can, we can get, it's about what we can give. And so, yes, it calls wives to sit, submit to your husbands, but also it calls husbands to submit to their wives, to give of themselves, to give their very life for their wife. You see, a Christian marriage is a marriage where we have two people who are giving to each other. It's almost like a giving competition. No, I'm going to serve you. No, I'm going to serve you. No, I'm going to serve you. I want to look out for you. A Christian marriage is not out for what they can get, but for what they can give. That kind of a marriage where, where there are two people who are not so much concerned about getting what they want, but who are prepared to give to each other, that is a marriage that will last. Because even when you are cranky with each other, even when the, the uh, romantic, warm, fuzzy feelings aren't there, the commitment is still there. The promise is still there. I will serve you. I will honour you. I will protect you until death parts us. This is what I give to you. And this is why church marriage has those promises. I will love and cherish you. That's what I will do for you. It's a picture of giving to one another. Now, I don't want to spend too much time thinking about that because I say we, we, uh, we thought about it a couple of weeks ago. If you want to listen to the, um, the podcast of that, you can on our church website. Um, but I do want to go on to the next uh, relationship that's, that's obviously a huge part of the family, and that's the relationship between children and their parents. There's so many things to say about children and parents. Most of us, well, all of us here have been a child at some point. Um, uh, but I want to think particularly this morning about the relationship of parents with their children. I want to say just two things, um, and this will hopefully be helpful you, to you guys, uh, a reminder to, uh, to Kate and Justin, but for all of us. And the first one is very, very simple, that children are a blessing. Children are a blessing. Now, you may not think that at 6 o'clock in the morning when they come and jump on your bed, or you may not think, about, think that at 2 o'clock in the morning when they give you a call and ask you to pick them up from your friend's place. But the Bible wants us to know and to remember that children are a blessing from God. In Psalm 127, verse 4, we read this, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the person whose quiver is full of them. They are a gift from God. You see, there is a danger that parents face because parenting is hard, isn't it? 
Um, when, when children are sick and colicky or whatever it might be, when they won't sleep through the night, uh, when they're making demands, when they keep on asking, why, why, why? Um, they can be frustrating. They can be annoying. They can be noisy and demanding. And so as a parent, you can get, to, you get, get the idea that parents are just a burden. And sadly, some people treat their, their kids that way. Oh, you're such a burden. You're always wanting things. You're always trying to take from me. Just give me some time on my own. However, it's important for Christian parents to remember that children are a gift from God. They can bring much joy. I remember an advice an older mother gave me uh, when we first had children. Um, she said, each age a child goes through has its own blessings and challenges. And they will both pass in time. Make every effort to enjoy each stage um, and not just focus on the challenges. And it's true, isn't it? When you think about small babies, yes, they cry and they can be really irritating in the middle of the night and all those kinds of things, but there's also nothing better, is there, than seeing their first smile when they see your face or when they first say mum or dad or whatever it might be, when they, they start to walk. Uh, that picture is a beautiful picture, isn't it? We can so easily focus on the hardships or the difficulties that they bring and forget that they can be a blessing. When children are teenagers, yes, they can be frustrating and selfish and, and all of that and thoughtless, but they also can bring great joy. They start to relate to you actually as a human being, not just as a vending machine. Um, it can be a really great relationship as, as your children grow into teenagers, and we've certainly loved that in our family. So let me encourage you to give thanks for your children to give thanks to God. And if you're a grandparent here this morning, can I encourage you to help your child to give thanks for their child? Um, grandparents have a really important role in helping their children to parent. Uh, just because you're, um, you're not 100% responsible for them anymore um, doesn't mean that you don't have a role to play. So I want to encourage any of the grandparents here to help in the parenting uh, the whole parenting of, your, of the grandchildren, um, to help your children see the blessings, to enjoy the good things. So don't just take them for the good times. Maybe come and help them in the difficult times um, so that the parents are able to enjoy and to remember the blessing from God. So the first thing uh, that parents are, it's important for you to remember is that children are a blessing from God, but there's another thing to remember, and that is that they are a responsibility. They are a responsibility that God gives us. I remember the first time I held my daughter in, in my hands, uh, she, was, she had just been born. I remember looking at her face and thinking, oh my goodness, this child is now mine. <laughs> Poor thing. Um, she's going to rely on me. She can't do anything. She cannot feed herself. She can't change herself. She can't clothe herself. Everything she relies on for me. And as a parent, God gives us that great and heady responsibility. Um, and it's not just the, the physical things, but as, a, as your child grows, parents, of course, are responsible for their, their physical, their emotional, their mental, and, of course, their spiritual growth. God describes himself as our father. Um, in a very real way, our parenting of our children is modelled on God's care for us. And God gives us all things. He cares for all parts of our, of our life and our relationships. 
And so as parents, we are do the same for our kids. Now, there's a, there's a bit of a push in our society, sadly, uh, particularly for Christian parents, not to brainwash their children. Uh, you may have heard uh, people say, well, you should let your child grow up and let them decide what they like about God and all those kind of things. You shouldn't impose your faith on them. And particularly this morning as we think about a baptism where uh, Kate and, and uh, Justin are promising to bring up Toby to know Jesus. And again, you may think, well, that's not a very 21st century idea. We should let Toby decide what he wants as he gets older. But the Bible encourages us to, uh, to help our children to know and to love Jesus. Um, that passage in Ephesians chapter 6 says that we should bring up our children in the knowledge and instruction of the Lord. The first reading in Deuteronomy 6, Moses tells the Israelites to take the things that God has given them and to impress them on their children, to talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. You see, there is a battle going on for the hearts and minds of our children. Uh, the TV programs our kids watch, um, the websites and the... the uh, uh, the blogs that our children uh, log into, the teachers in their school, the friends that they play with in the playground, will all be bombarding them with anti-God messages. And so if, we, if as Christians we leave our children to decide for themselves, yes, we may not be brainwashing them, but uh, we're leaving them to be brainwashed by our society. And there's there's a, a battle going on for our children. And so it's important for us as Christians to help our children to, to hear the other side of the story, to hear about, uh, about what God has done for them, about God's great love for them. Our children need to see us as parents and as grandparents living out our faith. Because, of course, it's not just the things that we say that will impact them. It's the things that we do. And so, uh, Kate and Justin, as, as you bring Toby up to know Jesus, uh, he will learn a lot from the way that you, uh, you react Jesus, the way, that you, the way that you treat him. If you see God as, as a kind of sideline or an unimportant part in your life, then that's the way he will think as he grows. And so let me encourage you, and as, as I encourage all of us, to, to live out our Christian life um, without hypocrisy, um, but with authentic, authenticity, with integrity. They need to hear us talking about Jesus and, and, talking and, and reading God's word with them and praying. And can I say also that our children need other Christians. It's so easy to kind of think, and it's becoming more and more so in our world, that the Christian worldview is being sidelined, pushed to the edge. And so if our, if our children grow up without any Christian friends, it's quite likely that their faith will also be pushed to the edge. And so it's really important for us, I think, as our children grow, to help them connect with other Christian kids. There's a great African proverb which says it takes a village to raise a child. Um, and I think it's true that actually we don't need to raise our, our kids on our own. There are extended family, there are friends, and of course there's a church family that can help us to bring our children up to know and love Jesus. In fact, in my experience, one of the great blessings of being part of a church has been uh, the opportunity for our kids to, to know other Christians and to see, have great role models of people who can live out, uh, live out their faith and to help them to do the same. So parents, remember that children are a blessing from God, but they are also a responsibility. 
Now, with all this talk about family, um, it's great to think about how great and important families are, but my guess is that in this congregation, there are many people who, when I talk about family, they think, well, family, the, the idea of family just brings up pain for me. Um, there are so many people for whom, for whom family is not a blessing, but actually can a bit of a curse, um, and it can bring great pain. It may be because, uh, because they're single. They can't find somebody, somebody to, find a fa- to start a family with. Or maybe because they've lost their family through divorce or through abuse or through mental illness or through death. There may be some here who aren't able to have children or whose children have run off the rails and have, and have disowned them. There may be people whose parents have died. or There could be any, any number of problems that we, that we come across in all sorts in our families. Families, I don't want to paint the picture that families are all rosy and skipping through the fields um, picking dandelions. Families can be difficult and they can cause much pain. And so what does the Bible say to them, to people who, are, who feel that way about their families? Now, I don't want to be trite and I don't want to minimise those very real problems, um, but it is important for us to remember that no matter who we are, no matter what family has meant to us, if we put our, fam- our faith in Jesus, we are part of an amazing family. We are part of God's family. In Galatians 3 verse 26, uh, Paul reminds us that we are all sons, of da- sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We are one and we are heirs together of the promises of God. In Mark 3 verse 34, Jesus looks at the people standing around him and says, Here are my, mothers, my mother and my brothers Whoever does my will is my brother, my sister, my mother. If we follow and we trust in Jesus, we are part of God's family. Just imagine that for a moment. What it must be like for the the creator of the universe to actually welcome us into his family. As we we baptise Toby today, that's that's what we were symbolising. God's welcoming of him into his family. Washing away all the things that separated him from God and and welcoming him in. God will never abandon us. God will never abuse us. God will never leave us. God will never let us down. In Matthew 15, verse 7, he says, There is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. There's that beautiful picture uh, in the parable that Jesus tells of the prodigal son of as the son comes home, the father running and throwing his arms around his son and welcoming him home. And that's how God responds to us when we turn to him. He runs and throws his arms around us and welcomes us warmly into his family. You can be part of that family. And if you've never walked to the door of a church this morning, this may be the first time you've ever heard that, that God, the creator of the universe, wants you to be in his family. And if you've never heard that before, let me encourage you to come and ask me about that. I'll be very happy to talk to you about that. Or maybe come and talk to, uh, to Mark, Mark and Michelle. They've got nothing else to do today. Um, come and talk to them about what Jesus means to them in their life. We are precious to God. And no matter what our family, past or presence of life, we, are, we will always be precious to him. And because we are precious to him... We are also precious to each other. One of the key ways that the church 
can shine as God's light, shine God's light in the world is through the love we share. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, "A new command I give you: love one another. As you love, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. The way we love each other here in this family will speak volumes to our world." And so it's really important for us to love each other, even when we're difficult, even when people do things and say things that, that irritate us. Um, we need to, and particularly, we need to look out for and care for each other. We need to care for the young parents as they're dealing with their children, um, the difficulties. We need to take special care of the singles amongst us. We need to take care for those who are divorced, for those who have been widowed for those who have suffered abuse or domestic violence, for those who have suffered from mental illness. We need to care for those whose families live overseas and aren't able to support them. We need to care for all people, no matter what stage or, or situation of life they're in, just as much as we care for the beautiful nuclear family units within our church. When God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he looked at Adam and he said, it's not good for him to be alone. So he created the family. Family is a great blessing from God that we should cherish and that we should support. But of course, it's not just our physical family that God calls us to look out, out for, but for our spiritual one. And so I want to encourage you this morning to be part of this family, to integrate yourself with this family, to show great love and care. And if you're a visitor here this morning, we want you to know how welcome you are. It's great to have you here. Uh, we encourage you to stay behind. I think there's, there's some uh, morning tea afterwards. I know there's a, a do on next door in, after that, but um, I encourage you to stay and join us for a cup of tea after the service. Uh, we want to welcome you into our church. And if you, if you live close by, we'd be more than happy to see you again. We'd love to, in fact, to welcome you into our family. How about I pray uh, that God would help our church family and all of our families to honour and uh, glorify him. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for the gift of the family. It is a great blessing from you. But Lord, we know that sometimes family can be difficult. We pray for those uh, known to us for whom uh, family is uh, a cause of pain. Father, we pray that you would uh, encourage those um, whose family is broken down. We pray for those who are lonely, who don't have a family. Father, we pray that as, as your family that we might welcome all people in, that all those uh, who suffer in, in any, diff, any way might find their hope and their salvation in you. We pray particularly again uh, for Kate and Justin and Toby. We ask, Lord, that that small family might grow <clears throat> to live a life that is honouring to you, that accepts and is, welcomes, is welcomed into your family and lives out... Uh, lives out uh, their faith in you to the end of their days. Lord, thank you for this morning. We pray that you would encourage and strengthen us as your people in Jesus' name. Amen.